So if you're giving your energy to people who are not part of your collective or your community or your tribe, right, you will never have the energy to stand and support the people who are. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Karine Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to today's conversation on Your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have Tamara Arnold. She's a three-time international best-selling author, mompreneur, mental health advocate, energy reader, and spiritual badass. She's the creator of her your own uh, intuitive podcast and founder of the Chakra Business Academy. Tamara helps create space for creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers to build a business from the inside out. Using her trademark process, the energy funnel, her clients gain clarity, remove limiting beliefs, clear their chakras, amplify their message, and rock their business financially. Now I know for some of you maybe listening have not kind of dove into the spiritual world and the impact it has when you can find that energetic alignment in who you are, how you stand in this world, the energy shift that you have when you interact with other people. Let me tell you, it matters. It might sound totally woo-woo to you right now listening, but I know you're going to benefit from today's conversation because it sounded that way to Tamara also. She was not in this realm for a long time and she really shut down her listening to the, to the different calling that she had over time and then eventually had her aha, found the connection and now is helping so many others find theirs. So I know you're going to enjoy today's conversation because it is a badass journey, especially with what she had to go through with her son and as you have your moments of connection through this conversation, we would love to hear from you. So please do not hesitate to post your review of the conversation, but also connect with us. That's what we're here for. And we love to hear how these conversations have impacted your world. Most of all, would love to see you share it with those in your community you think could benefit from it. So thanks so much for listening today. And I hope you enjoy today's Badass Journey. Welcome, everybody, to today's conversation. On the show, I have Tamara Arnold. Welcome, Tamara. Thank you, Kareen, and everybody listening today. So excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited to have you because the work that you do for spiritual, connected energy, healing, <laughs> you know, all the different businesses out there, those, those people who are seeking to drive business in a modality that serves them as well as those they work with, you have created an amazing academy. And before we jump into the work you do today, I would love for you to share your journey, um, your badass journey on how you actually 
came to the point of deciding that this was the type of business that you wanted to own and operate. And, um, you know, what were the aha moments along the way that helped you get here? Yeah, my journey definitely wasn't straight. Let's just put that out there. Um, Mm -hmm. Twists and turns. And uh, it really began, I can remember being really young uh, and getting up to about 10 years old. And, you know, I have lived amongst severe mental illness my entire life. And so when I was a young kid, you know, I witnessed my mom get really sad and, and, uh, I didn't know how to make it better. And, you know, I didn't know also back then that I was a young empath. And so I wanted to do everything and anything because I could feel how sad she was, I could feel how hurt she was. I could feel how hard things were. And I thought, man, if I just take my allowance and I take my Christmas money, I can go next door to this little knickknack store and I can, I can buy her something and it will make her smile. And it didn't. Or I can put on a one-act show before she goes to bed and, and she'll wake up tomorrow and she's going to be so happy because I was hilarious. And she wouldn't. And I remember being 10 and my mom was in a, probably one of her lower states. And I just remember thinking, you know, it's not about me. I need to, I need to shelf whatever it is that I desire at 10 to have that thought. I mean, like I need to, I need to make my mom better. And that became my existence in my life, um, at a young age. So we didn't, my mom with her depression and her anxiety, we didn't go anywhere. So it's like, you don't go to parades, you don't go to movies, you don't go out right? It was very structured. I'd come home from school. My mom would come home. There would be a nap. We would watch recorded video on v- on the VCR, on the VGA, VHS, and then we would have dinner and then we would watch shows and go to bed. Now, what I love about this story, and I just want to intercede this here, is it was in those moments that I would later come back to to find myself, right? So I would sit on the couch and I would write I would write poems and I would write short stories and I would journal and I would color and I would just be present with my mom. And eventually, by the time I was in high school, my ability to take in other people's emotions without knowing it was escalating because I was still trying to save everybody. I still wanted to make the world a better place. I could feel everything. And, um, I would, I remember walking down the hallways of my high school and I was like, holy crap, everybody hates me. Like they, like I can tell you the word I would use is they despised me. They absolutely, like I was so uncomfortable with everybody's hate of me. And I, by the time I was 16, I was like, I can't do this. I I started drinking and smoking pot to try and numb myself to the point where I didn't have to feel anymore. And, you know, I moved out of my house. I was done being a parent, like parenting my mom. And I went and got approved to go to a rotary exchange to Brazil when I was 17. And I'm so grateful for this part in the story because this is the part where I I learned my own independence. There were bets on how long I would be able to stay in Brazil. Like nobody believed I could do it. (laughs) <laughs> so like my friends, my family were like, she'll like a week. She's, I got two, I got a month. God forbid I stayed for the whole 10 months. So you better believe when I got off the plane, I was like, ah, you, yeah. Making this work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the greatest gift I ever gave myself because that gave me 
the, at least the long enough time to detach from everything that I had believed or thought of as true um, my whole life. And I created a Tamara. Now, she was a bit of a rock star partier and not necessarily making great decisions, but she was all mine. When I came back, there was no way in heck I was going to live with my mom again or live in with my family or anything. I was like done. I was, I was, I was tapping out and I was like, I'm so done with mental health. Like I just am like, it's not like I was tired. And so it ended up that I came home when I was 18. By the time I was 19, I was pregnant and, uh, with the first man I ever slept with. (laughs) And I was like, great souvenir. Um, (laughs) my son ended up suffering severely with mental health issues. And so everything that I was running from became everything that I was living into all over again, but from a different perspective. And it was toxic and it was challenging. And I say there's parenting and then there's like challenging parenting and then there's extreme parenting. And if you haven't done extreme parenting, it won't, you won't even resonate with extreme parenting. If you have done extreme parenting, you'll be like, oh my God, that's so hard. Like every day you wake up in the knowing that something bad is going to happen and it's inevitable. So there are no days off. There's no space. There is no time. You're in protective mode. You can never let your guard down. You have to keep everything together. You don't want anyone to find out. You don't want the world to see, sense, or know. Uh, you're, you're, it's a struggle from the minute you open your eyes. And some days you still lie in bed and say, do I actually want to get out of bed today? Because the shit's going to hit the fan at some point and I'm going to have to pick up the pieces. And the thing is, is that was really challenging for the people involved because Ethan was in the system for so long, uh, was that they, there was such extreme love. Like I love my son and my son loves me. And so we would be sitting down for therapy appointments and they'd be like, we don't get it. Like he's got a good home. You guys love each other. Why is this happening? And I was like, could you please tell me that? <laughs> could you, are you the person who's going to tell me why this is happening? Cause I would, I'm open. I'm open to finding this out. And I was in therapy the whole time. And I had, you know, I split with his father early, like when he was two, found another man, was on and off with eight years, had my daughter. And uh, now I'm in my thirties and my son, I meet a nice man. We are dating and my son, his behaviors have just keep elevating. They just keep elevating. And in therapy, I learned a really, really important thing. And that was to detach myself emotionally because my therapist was like, you know what? you can stay in this relationship with your son the way it is. It was a form of abuse on some level, right? But I was a mom. We will never admit that about our children. We'll say, never will we say, you know, our kids are abusing us. That's just not an okay or, you know, PC thing to say. And uh, she's like, but, you know, he's 16 now, but when he's 18, he'll still be doing this. And when he's 23, he'll still be doing this. And I actually, you know, have clients that come in and their kids are in their 30s and 40s still living at home causing the same problems. Everybody's journey starts at a different age. Some are 16, some are 20, some are 30. Like, you know, and I, I'd moved out when I was 16. And so I did what I consider the hardest thing I've ever done. And this was my, my, my major moment was I said to myself, if this wasn't my kid, if, if Ethan was not my son, right, would I let anyone treat me this way? And when the, the, this makes me emotional. When the answer was no, I would never let anyone treat me this way. The next question was, then why will you let your son treat you this way? And I was like, shit, I, I can't. I can't let him treat me this way. 
And it was right after he, I walked into my laundry room and I found my 16 year old son with a chair and a cord in my laundry room. And I was like, I can't, I don't know what to do. Everything has felt completely out of my scope of practice of being a parent. We weren't sleeping. My, my now husband, like we were one eye open. Ethan was doing something every single night. So we, one of us had to be on like on guard through the entire evening to catch him or to stop him from anything. And so when I found him with the chair in the corner, I was like, we've got to, we've got to get to the hospital. We've got to get to the hospital because I can't do this. I am not a suicide counselor. I am not doing a good job. I'm not helping you. This is escalating. And I will never forget the day that I made the decision that if Ethan wasn't willing to help Ethan, I I couldn't do this anymore. And so we got to the hospital and I went in and I said, Ethan, if, if you don't seek medical help, you can't come home. We had three other kids and none of them knew anything that was going on with Ethan. We were very, very strongly against giving them that information at such a young age because they were like seven years old, younger. So like nine, eight, nine years old. And the look my son gave me, my 16 year old son, the anger and like the rage. And he looked at me and he said, I would never go home with you ever, even if you wanted me to. And I was like, wow, that hurts. Right. And I, the problem was, even though he didn't come home, he was living in a shelter downtown and he would live like he would later admit that he slept on park benches. He wouldn't always go to the shelter from the year that he was 16 to 17. My codependency kicked in like tenfold because I was in a state of guilt and I was in a state of shame and I was in a state of, you know, what kind of parent am I? Like people, there's going to be some sort of like parent takeaway van that comes up and like knocks on my door and says, you are a terrible parent. Get in, you're going, you're being put away. And I lived in that. Like I lived in those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions. Like I couldn't get out of them. Like I was drinking heavily again. I was, you know, just not tuned into my own physical body. I was trying to save my son. It was probably the worst year of my life when he was between 16 and 17, even though he wasn't at home because I was living his life for him and trying to to fix everything. And, but when he turned 17, he did something that just was unforgivable in my world. And I was like, you know what? That was it. Thank you. I was so grateful he did it because I was like, we're done. We are done. I'm like blocking you on Facebook. You're nowhere near coming into my life anymore. That was too far because I didn't feel safe when he was in my house and I didn't feel safe when he was out of my house anymore. And I was like, why am I, why am I trying to solve a problem that he doesn't want solved? And so when he was 17, I broke up with my son. It did only last six months and we are closer than we've ever been. But during that six months that we didn't talk, I slipped into the deepest, darkest abyss in depression that a, a mom can go into. Sure. Because I had just, you know, who, who does that, Kareen? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of drastic separation that's required for self-preservation, but also realizing you're, you're the parent. I mean, that bond is like no other. And then there's also uh, a mourning period you have to go through. It's like, even though he was still physically on this earth, the, the death of the relationship that had been established through all the years of abuse, through all the, the years of not knowing what else could you do, especially being an empath and carrying not only the emotion of trying to heal someone else or serve someone else to help them, but also I'm sure you were carrying the depression and the darkness and the 
anger, frustration that he also was displaying. So to take that moment in life and say, enough is enough and and actually face your darkness. I'm curious about those six months now of what did you do to focus on you in order to get onto the other side or, or to kind of push through it? I don't know if there's another side, but there's the 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 next level of relationship now that that you have um, not only with him but your other kids because when you I'm sure went into your dark phase for the six months your other kids and your husband were probably impacted by that as well yeah especially because my day consisted of me rolling out of bed very late right I was a, I'd been a personal trainer for you know I think eight or nine years at that point. And uh, when Ethan's behaviors were bad, I had to quit working for other facilities. So I was a, a work from home personal trainer because I had to be home because Ethan was hospitalized enough and the school wouldn't let him back. So I was a self-employed personal trainer and I would roll out of bed before my client and I would curl up in this this chair, you know, the electric chairs, <laughs> the, the bottoms go up and the, the bags go down. The lazy boys. Like, yeah. The lazy boy, like recliners. Yeah. That was my, like, I call that my depression chair. And so uh-huh. I would curl up in this fetal position. I wouldn't wear makeup. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any attachment to the day. I would cry a lot. Um, right before a client, I would roll out of the chair. I'd go and train my client, put on my happy face. Like anyone outside of the house would have thought I was doing just fine. Right. Because when you're depressed, you aren't going around going, I'm so depressed. You're like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fantastic. You you know, everything's good. And meanwhile, you are shattered and you can barely function. And eventually, I'm so grateful that my, in the Strength Finders test, my number one strength is positivity. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy about that because yeah. it got to a place where I was, I just hated being that way, right? Like I didn't want to be that way anymore. I was tired of crying. I was tired of the darkness. I was tired of all of those things, but I didn't have energy and I didn't have you know, any idea what to do. And so I got into the habit of every day just saying one thing to myself. And that was, what can I do? What is one thing I can do today to feel just a little bit better than yesterday? Just one thing, just one thing. And, you know, now what I know as I was just elevating my emotional frequency, but back then it was like, if I heard go for a walk, it was like work to go for a walk, right? If I heard like have a shower, because it'd been a few days. (laughs) So I'd go have a shower, make a hair appointment, make a therapy appointment. But I would only do that one thing. And if I did that one thing, I was like, you did a great job. Like, don't try to do anything else. Like, woo, that was ex- it was exhausting to just, just do that. But I didn't stop. Every day I would ask that question. And every day I would do the one thing I was asked to do. And so that led me to being told to meditate. Mm. Right? And I'd never meditated before. And of course, you hear meditation in that thought. And I was like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden on my Facebook, you know, 30 day meditate with the angels with Carrie Samuels came up. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I was just thinking about meditation. And so I signed into this 30 day meditation series. I did it all 30 days, even though I slept through every single one of them. I called it meta napping because I'd be like, Carrie Samuels came on. And I was like, gone. And then yeah. the meditation, I'd come back and I'm like, but there was a, a knowing within me that said, you know, I bet you there's some subconscious work that needs to be done. And that's why I'm sleeping. It was just like, I knew that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. The connection was being made too, for you oh. to for almost like relax in the moment too, not have to think so much about all the things that aren't going well. 
Uh, thank God. Like my husband, even if I was like, I don't want to do the meditation today, he's like, do the meditation. So I had support. Yes. And like, so like it wasn't like I was on my own. Like I had, my kids were involved. All they wanted was for me to feel better. And they knew that this was somewhat working. I'm sure they could see it was somewhat working. So I had that support there. But when the 30 days was over, I decided that I wanted to keep meditating. And so I would Google or I'd find things come up on my Facebook or I'd go into YouTube and I'd just like be like, meditation for helping you sleep, meditation for losing anxiety, meditation for loving your body. Like you can really Google any meditation you want in YouTube and I would just do whatever I was feeling. And there came a time during a meditation where I started to hear guidance in my meditation. And at first I was like, wow, these are getting really vivid. Like I can, I can hear things. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> uh-huh. And then one day I was like, oh, like I'm being spirit guided in these meditations. And the minute that happened, the minute I realized that it wasn't just my mind that was speaking to me, then I started to hear spirit guidance outside of my meditation. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. But then I thought I was crazy. That's okay. Well, you have a history of mental, you know, situations in your family. So of course you'll go there first. So we'll give you some grace for that moment. Yeah, for sure. So I was like, I should probably go see my therapist. <laughs> Tell her that I'm hearing some voices. Right. I'm feeling some relief in these voices, but let me question yeah, it. They were telling me to do great things, right? Like these voices. And I'm pretty sure when I was asking, what is one thing I can do today? They, I, I was already getting guidance, but I didn't know until I was looking Right, back. right. Um, I went to my therapist. And I sat on her couch and I'd been seeing this woman for almost 20 years. 20 years I've been seeing this woman. She was a like psychologist, psychiatrist. She was like a professor at a university. Didn't even clue in that she did angel cards at the end of every single therapy session. Not a clue. But when I was like, this is what's happening. I'm hearing these voices. I don't know what to do. She was like, oh, you're ready. Wow. Pardon? I'm ready for what? She's like, I teach a class called A Course in Miracles and now you're ready to join it. And Wow. Like, what is, I didn't know what that was. I didn't have a clue, but like when you need exactly what you need, the teacher will arrive. Yes. And so that became a journey into spirituality because I had daddy issues, which we didn't even talk about. So like mm-hmm. God, right? Like, so God was masculine. Masculine was bad. I was like healing all of these things. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to help people. Like I've got to help people with this kind of stuff. And so I had like had this inclination that I wanted to, um, you know, help people all over the world. Cause what does that really mean when you don't know what it really means, but you're like, I want to help people all over the world. <laughs> and so I remember when I was coming out of my depression, you know, it's interesting that everything is already working to our vibrational frequency. Everything we see, everything we witness, everything in our life, everything we call to us. And so when I was coming out of my darkness, you know, all of a sudden these people started to be on my Facebook feed, including, you know, Carrie Samuels, Natalie McNeil, Danielle Laporte, you know, uh, Bernstein, Marie. And then all of a sudden it was like Marie Forleo. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Whoa, all these people love this lady and she does like helps people build a business all over the world. This is my like, this is the common denominator of everything that I've ever, ever wanted. And so in 2016, I began my journey because it's a journey. It's not a destination. That's right. That's why it's called your badass journey, my friend. Right? <laughs> yeah. To what would be later, you know, a three time best selling author and, you know, 
facilitator of the Shocker Business Academy and all these incredible things. But it was simply an idea at the beginning. And I started to follow the spiritual breadcrumbs, as I called them. And, you know, it would be like, oh, look at this is accommodating. I'm going to join this. And then I would epically fail at it. And I'd be like, well, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. (laughs) Maybe this is not what I'm meant to do. And then I joined this mastermind. It was called the Awakening Hearts Mastermind. And it was three months of crying. It was like Mm -hmm. all my mommy and daddy issues had to come out. Sure. And then I was like, okay, great. So I've done like the businessy thing. I've done this like internal thing. What's next? And then I was like, I should do Think and Grow Rich. It's all mindset. Yeah, right. Why not? Seems like a logical explanation. So I've done like the exterior, external, like you need your website, you need your this. I've done the internal. I'm not really building a business yet, by the way. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, I get this idea that I'm an angel card reader. So I, I did Doreen Virtue's angel card reading certification. I started practicing doing people's cards. And, uh, you know, and then I'm doing Think and Grow Rich. And it was at the end of that, that I was like, something's not right. People are like, what's not right? I'm like, I love what each of these has, but I don't know anywhere that has it all together. Yeah. Yep. Too segmented. Right? Like, great. So I learned the business, but it didn't do any of my internal work. I'd learned the internal work, but it didn't teach me how to run a business. And then I did the mindset work, but I didn't get any application to it. Right. And so I was, I was struggling to create something that I was craving that I couldn't find anywhere else, which ultimately led me to now we're at 2016. It's at the end. I've been like spending money to try all of these things to solve my problem. And uh, everybody I came out of the spiritual closet said, Hey, I hear angels. I hear spiritual people talk to me. And uh, locally, an event came around and it was called Archangel in 2016. And everybody's like, well, Tamara, you hear angels. You have to go to this event. And I was like, I can't. I can't afford a $250 ticket. I just can't. I've done all these things. And the magical part of the story is two people bought me that ticket that day. Mm -hmm. Lovely. It was like, you can't. Like, like seriously, the universe was like, you are going to be in that room. Mm-hmm. And every speaker spoke to my story. I remember at some point we had to go and talk to a stranger and say, if we, it's uh, Philip McKiernan's one last talk. And if, you know, we only had 10 minutes left, 15 minutes, I can't remember what it was. And we could only talk about one thing. What would it be? And I went up to this stranger and I had been ugly crying. Like I was purple, I was swollen. And I was like, my story would be that it it wasn't my fault. And it was in that moment, in that theater that I just felt all of my victimhood, all of my shame, all of my guilt wash off my body. Like it was like, and I remember saying uh, as I was leaving, I'm like, I'm not the same person as I left that theater. Right. And so it was at that a couple months later that I was blow drying my hair. My, my spiritual advisors, if you will, were like, contact Hay House. And I was like, I'm not listening to you. That's really extreme. Thanks anyway. <laughs> they were like, contact Hay House. And I was like, I'm going to go for a walk. That's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not listening. And so I went for a walk and it was like every few minutes I'd be like, contact me. Yes. And I'd be like, no, because I'm home. And so eventually you're like, I'm going to do what they're asking me to do simply because <laughs> I need to stop the voice. Yeah. They won't shut up otherwise. They won't shut up. So I went, I sat down, I looked up Hay House, it's a fortress, you have to have a literary agent, you have to do all of these things. 
And I was like, there's just no way that I'm going to do that. But what it did was get me in front of the computer to remember that there had been a woman up on stage at the event, the Archangel event, who helped people write a book. Hmm. And they wouldn't have been able to say her name or her program to me because I wouldn't have correlated anything to it, right? Like it would have been like, whatever. But to, to, to say, hey, house, I knew exactly it was an author. It was a book. It was like, do these things. These are the steps. And so I ended up looking up uh, Angela uh, that day. And that was, that was a moment in my life that changed my trajectory in every area that I'd ever been. God, when you get a good mentor, holy Hannah, things yeah. just like every game changer. And not only when you get a good mentor, but when you actually do everything your mentor tells you to do. Yeah, <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, it's a secret sauce nobody talks about. Do what you're told and magic can happen. And so I decided that I was going to join this program with $0. I mean, I borrowed my friend's credit card for the first payment. I was going to do anything I could because when I knew, I knew. Period. I didn't know what I was going to write about. Eventually, I knew that I needed to write about my son's mental illness Mm -hmm. because I needed to help support other parents because everything that you read when you have a child with mental illness is like a, a freaking textbook. And you're like, how does this help? Too clinical. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I'm going to tell it from the other perspective. And I'm just going to tell the story of what the parent can do to not lose themselves in the relationship with their child. Because we become our child. We become extremely codependent. And so I wanted to help support the parent to not lose themselves in that experience. And that was where the first book was created. And it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I wanted, I hated my life while writing that book because it forced me to deal with things I'd never gone back to deal with. And so it was the most painful two months of my life. And while that was happening, I could feel my throat chakra open because I'd never felt safe with my voice because I could say, I love you to someone in my family. And if they were in a low, that love you could trigger them into depression. Right. Right. So I was scared to use my voice in fear of hurting those I loved. When I wrote that book, it caused me to bust open my root chakra. And my, you know, your root chakra is really connecting to the people you're here to serve. It's grounding into who you are and who you serve, which means you have to let go of approval and judgment and not having clear boundaries and people pleasing. So if you're giving your energy to people who are not part of your collective or your community or your tribe, right, you will never have the energy to stand and support the people who are. And so I had spent so much of my time trying to convince my family of what I was doing and trying to get their love and approval that writing this book forced me to say, you know, it's about me serving these moms and I'm willing to tell these stories. And and I got permission for all the stories that I told. And, you know, I got my son involved. I asked his permission, like everything was done in a way that was like, no, is this story to have in it? Is this so like, it was done with love and intention service, but it was the willingness that I had to say, these are, this is why I'm doing it. So I felt my root pop open. I felt my throat pop open. And it was during the time. So in February, before my book launched that I was, again, somehow they like to talk to me when I'm coming out of the bathroom from blow drying my hair, I was walking out of the bathroom and I received, you can read chakras. And guys, if you receive spiritual communication of any kind, oftentimes my first response is you have the wrong human. Like you do. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about chakras. 
And it was come again. It's like, you know, you can read chakras. And I was like, but I don't know what I'm doing. And the next thing I'd receive was, we'll guide you. And for me personally, I could learn from a textbook. I could learn from, you know, somebody who's reading chakras, or I could just go to the big guns who want to guide me, right? Like the best teacher I think I could find. And so taking action is a really important piece of my personal, uh, you know, journey. So every time I would receive a message, I would do it even if it made me uncomfortable, even if it was like a, I have no idea what I was doing, even if, you know, it didn't make sense to anyone else in the entire world. I was like, Hey, that's it. That's the thing I'm going to do. So I walked over to my computer and I was like, Hey, everybody in Facebook land, apparently I can read chakras. Anyone open to let me practice on them? And four people said yes. And then I wanted to poop my pants. (laughs) Right. Now what? Right. Apparently I can read them, but I don't know what I'm doing and yeah. do something that I don't know how to do. And what I never like tried to read somebody's chakra before. Oh my God, I was so scared. And so I wouldn't do anything on Zoom or any video or anything. God, so like, you know, I'm having Facebook messenger phone calls with people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, lying on my bed, anxiety and all that. And it turns out that I had four exceptional readings and people were like, how did you know that? Yeah. like. All right. All right. Spirit, I get, I get what you're doing here. And so I kept saying it on Facebook, like, Hey, I, I, these went really well. Anyone else? And so I ended up starting to do like at least four five, sometimes six shocker readings a day. Amazing. It was crazy. And I started to gather all this information. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you start to see patterns, you start to see like, uh, you know, certain things in certain people and you felt it in other people who had the same kind of life and you're starting to collect all this data and this information. And so it was funny because I was at uh, the author castle to launch my first book and I created a business. Like I decided when I was going to write my first book that nothing else mattered. I was tuning out the world. I was saying no to opportunity. I wasn't going to birthday parties. I wasn't doing anything. Like for the next three months, I was just going to write my book and serve the people for my book. Right. So I was making a very, very big shift in my own boundaries in, in that time and saying, you know, this is the most important thing for me. And I had my family, right? And I was going through like my son and I just rekindling and the trust work and all of that. So I felt very busy in a good way. And uh, and so I was at the castle. It was, I think, May of 2017. And as my first book is hitting Amazon, I looked at my mentor and I was like, so, and she's like, what? I'm like, I think I need to write the second book. And she's like, pardon? <laughs> she's where your book is just hitting. I'm like, I know, but like, I've been doing hundreds of these readings and I've got this book inside me and it's got to come out. And this is where the magical business method and the chakra business Academy was born. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's through your journey and your learnings from in being in your own discovery path of what your calling is or how the spirits are guiding you to create the impact in life today. But also it sounds like it it helped you heal in a lot of ways in order to face the how you want to construct the the mental illness you were born into, right? Into your family, the mental illness that was birthed through you. But then if you didn't go through all of that, 
would you think you would have gone on this journey and and gotten to the point where you are today? Of course not. Of course not. I chose everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I was up in the stars going like, these have to be my parents. I have to have that experience. I have to have a child with mental, you know, health yeah. issues. And I say to him now, I'm like, I am so grateful for you. <laughs> you know, things were really bad. So he's like, I don't know if I can receive that yet. He's only 21. Sure. But like, but like, I'm so grateful for everything we've been through because if not, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And, and he's like, okay, okay, weird mom. Yeah. Yeah. How do your other kids receive the work you're doing? Um, they don't like for my, so I have uh, transitioning children. So I have two other children who are no longer the pronouns of their birth, but I'm uh-huh. Completely open to share all of that story. Sure, yet, sure. All I'm saying, and my youngest was like, "Please don't write another book. You're, you disappear. <laughs> we don't like it when you read, write a book." But that was like the only level of, you know, discomfort. Yeah. Right. Like now, it it's created the modeling for them to realize that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. So it it's a beautiful experience to show. Not just say to your kids, do what you love. Do yeah. What you up, right? When they can witness you doing those things, then they can actually see it live and in action. And they're like, oh, so I can be an artist. Of course you can. Or, hey, I can be an entrepreneur too. Yeah, you can. You can do anything as long as you have the consistency and the passion to no matter what's happening when it's going on, you still are so focused on the outcome that nothing that the world throws at you will even deter you from the path. Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, everybody needs to hear that lesson, right? Like in in the awareness of how to go after what they truly love in and aligning it in what they do and how they show up in the world. So even in your journey going from just having to tell yourself, just do that one thing today that's going to boost my just a, a sense of accomplishment and say, at least I did that, you know, so now I can I can go back into my darkness through this healing process or, and then, then being open to listening to your angels, your spirit guides. What do you, what do you call them now? Is it your advisory board? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Advisor, is they, yeah. 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 And then as my highest good and intention. So yeah. Different day. I think it's great because it's, you know, we all have different levels of mastery that I feel we could, we could chase and develop, right? Like, and, and a lot of us sit dormant. When I think about people who are misaligned with their calling or misaligned and feeling discomfort in their life or in their business, it's reflecting in their relationship, whatever that looks like. It's, it's when they're not paying attention to those voices. You know, or to the gut check, um, or even it, sometimes it's a physical person because they're the conduit of the message you're meant to receive, and it's about receiving that message and and trying it on. You know, so if you were to talk to someone who's feeling stuck right now, or feeling like they're actually in their low, like some of our listeners might come to this podcast because they're looking for inspiration or they're looking for a sense of motivation or even just to say to themselves, oh my God, my dreams matter. Like what I believe matters. Like I know that I could be on the other side of this. What is it that um, you would like to tell them or share with them, either whether it's a tool or a method you use you know, through your academy that helps them be a little bit more open to receiving the action steps to move forward and move through 
some of their dark times. Straight up, straight up. I know exactly what I'm going to say. And it was so hard when I did this. It was in a like little side program I had done. And I remember it took me days, days to do this one activity. And I was because I was so disconnected from self, right? And it is something that I use in the Chakra Business Academy. And uh, I had to write a list of 50 things I loved to do for myself, not with somebody, like not for my kids or for my partner or for, you know, work or for whatever, just 50 things that I personally love to do for me. Oh, so uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and because I, again, I didn't know who I was anymore. And when I wrote that list, that's when I came back to being the me sitting on the couch with my mom. And I I remember at the beginning, I I would Mm -hmm. and writing down that I love to write and that I loved to create and, and color and draw and all of these different things led me to understanding that that was my stardust, right? That was my purpose. That was why I was here. And, you know, that helped me because I did that before I started writing my books. And so that was the trigger that I needed or the catalyst that I needed to come back into my being, my body, not allowing somebody else to define my future or who I was or what I wanted to do. And I truly believe that we all have what I call our stardust in our hearts. We're born understanding who we are. We are born knowing what we're meant to do. It's when we're told that's the hobby or get your head out of the clouds or you can't make a living doing that, that we pull ourselves outside of that vibration and do what we're supposed to do or meant to do or told to do. And eventually the discomfort is where we get to. And it was that list that brought my awareness back to me and what I loved and who I was. And that ultimately took me back to my path. I love that. And it's such a great practical tool that our listeners can leverage to just reconnect with what do you love? Like what? You know, it's so rare that we're even asked that, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're always in the doing of the what's next. Like what? And, you know, I have this group, I call it the Achiever Arena because I believe we are all in a sense of achievement, but achieving also comes from being. And it comes from aligning who you really are with what you do. And that the achievement then just becomes easier because you're actually tapping into your truths. Like what does lift you up? What, what do you love? What, what defines who you are? So I think that's such a great tool for folks to take away from today's conversation because it'll help them then just pick one, at least one each day that fills them up. You know, Absolutely. that, and then when you could do at least that one thing, you've connected with yourself to then go serve everything else in your world throughout the next day. Would you say that there's a, are you at the point now where like everything you do throughout the day is basically all, like all the 50 things <laughs> every day? Or is it's possible it- to get all the 50 things in, in a day. <laughs> where I'm at now is in some level in business, you have to do the things you may not know what to, like they don't fall on the list. Yeah. <laughs> They're the things that you've told yourself you don't like to do. And where I'm at is creating that shift of energy that says, the why, what is it? Is it true that I don't like it? Right? Like, is it true that I really don't like tech or finance or whatever? And it's like, no, because I don't have anything to base it on. And I'm right. like, how can I make this something More that known. I don't like? Because if it's if I'm going into any activity in my business with the thought, ugh, 
so going to be sucky. Then it's going to fucking be sucky. Yeah. (laughs) But going like, okay, I need to write some Facebook coffee. I need to do this or do that. What do I need to do, say, or be in order to enjoy this experience? And, uh, and so that's the new shift (laughs) is yes, I get the 50 things and I got that mastered, but how do you master loving the things that you've told yourself you don't love? Yeah, I also think though that there's a space to welcome in the people who do love to do those things and allow them the time to have in their 50 things that they love, right? Like, so one of the, I always, in my coaching practice or as I'm helping companies thrive or even get over their own obstacles, a lot of the time it is the mentality like we should do all the things and then we burn ourselves out. And so to create the space to say, okay, well, what it would be cool exercise to be like, these are the 50 things I love. Like, what are the 50 things you love? Because then maybe there's something on your list that I really don't like doing that I could just have you do for me. Because if you love it, like, oh my God, the vibration of that together just changes the landscape of of how we operate as in relationships, in business, whatever that looks like. It's so true. It's so true. And I can say that with great confidence now. I do have a couple of people on my team. But in the beginning in my business, I would just try and give the things away without having done it myself. So I did what I was asking for. And so that's a, that's a really important piece I learned was like, do it yourself, learn to love it. So you can guide somebody to do it the way that you love, like, or at least the way that you, you see it for your vision and for your people and for your commitment and your service. Yeah. Understand it enough, have the aptitude to direct it and lead it and know when you need to replace potentially the person doing it that might not be up to par what is truly needed. And I think that's smart too. So tell us about the Academy. What's the framework of that? Who do you attract into it? You know, So I attract any creative, lightworker, healer, spiritually gifted human who may be spiritually gifted, curious, which my answer is if you're spiritually gifted, curious, you have one. Nobody else is thinking that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it is, is like when you know that you're getting to a level, whether you've started a business or you have a side hustle and you know that that's your calling, but you are in your own way and you are self-sabotaging and you keep getting yourself stuck and you keep saying, I don't know what to do, man, that's my favorite question. I just don't know what to do. Yes, you do. Yeah. You 100% do. And so the Chakra Business Academy allows you to go into your own internal body and define your status. So if you don't have that clarity, we your body already has that vibration and we'll catch that for you. And we remove everything that you're storing on each floor of your energetic body, infusing your stardust. So you, you can't say those things anymore. You have clarity, understanding, and, and like, it's pretty powerful. Then you can receive all the things that the universe is trying to bring you, whether it's clients, the perfect job, love, whatever it is, right? Like it's always such a amazing journey to see what people are actually receiving when they can receive it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an awakening. I know with the work that I've done throughout the past, especially when I introduced meditation into my world and I used to be the, the, when you were telling your story about the darkness of, of your childhood and trying to solve for it or, or be the answer, right? Like, and because I also am an empath, I, I absorb energies around me and I have to do the healing work and the release now every single day so that I'm not carrying the energy forward. But I didn't know that as a child. No. So I literally was, I mean, if you could picture like this, you know, I mean, I remember it as early as like four or five years old, like, 
felt like I was carrying around a backpack full of rocks of someone else's weight Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to help and serve. So I decided to carry it all. And it wasn't until fast forward, I mean, until I was basically 30, that I learned the practice of receiving, clearing my chakras, and also meditation, like of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. First was was the only way I actually cleared my past channel in my in uh, along my chakra points and and cleared the clutter and released the things that I should have never been carrying to begin with, so that I could show up into the world as me, you know, as the the what I meant to manifest now and what I meant to put into the world. And I love that you're creating a format. Not only because a lot of people, you know, they call this side of the world like the woo-woo side. Like it's it, it just like, oh, I'm not going to get into it. What? How could that serve me? Because there isn't this like tangible practice or they think it doesn't show up in the bank or they think it doesn't relate to the size of their house or their car. Like they try to create this tangible result is the only answer. And then they realize they hit those tangible results and they're freaking miserable because they, they, the way and the method that they hit it was not necessarily aligned with the energy that they're meant to actually have as an exchange in this world. And it could be even more abundant if they align with that side. So what's really great about you know the Magical Business Method and your Chakra Academy is that not only are you attracting more healers to find the practical way of building their business so they could serve more people, but it's that the alignment is so key for all of us to tap into and get clear because even high functioning, high achievers that might have a facade of success on the outside, if they're not doing that work on the inside to break through hard moments, hard like years of life, <laughs> like, like you live through, and still trying to map out what you want to take with it and how you want to bring light into this world. Yeah. It truly matters. Like this work matters. And I'm so honored to like to be sharing you on the show because I feel more people need to tap into the side of who they are and bring it into everything they do. The, their level of satisfaction, their level of fulfillment just raises when you actually find the modalities that work for you to create a lighter energy, but also to receive. Because if you're carrying that brick of you know, the bricks in the backpack of somebody else's story and the shaming and the depression and the doubt and the heaviness, I guarantee, yes, you are strong. Yes, there are so many strengths in living that life in that way. But if it's not lifting you up, there is a method for you to let that go and, and really design your life just like Tamara has in a light-filled way that is still of purpose and is serving, but not at your own personal expense anymore. So true. It's so true. I always say like if you're receiving from the universe and it's able to get through your crown and you're not outthinking it, like (laughs) overthinking it and overanalyzing it and you're utilizing your throat with clarity and your heart is open to receive and to, you know, exhale that receive and you truly believe that you're deserving and worthy and your sacral is wide open and you're standing in your confident being, then when that light hits your root chakra where you're grounded into who you are and who you serve, it is like a reflection that just drives back up into the universe as your bat signal. And there is nothing more beautiful than that. Yeah. And then figuring out the way to bring it consistently 
into your life, not just at a weekend retreat, not just in like, you know, not, not like once a year. Yeah. Like you're only doing it once a year and you're like, Oh, I love this euphoria, but how do you know? And then you're asking that, how do I, I don't know how to bring that into my daily life. Let me tell you, there are practices out there. There's amazing guides like Tamara to, to help you. And it's worth it. It's worth investing when you hear those questions. How can I feel better, do better, be better, and enjoy the process? Like, add the enjoyment back, guys. Like, add the enjoyment back. It doesn't have to be dark. (laughs) It doesn't have to be dark, heavy, and hard all the time. And it shouldn't be. Otherwise, what's the freaking point? So, so great. So, so I'm so excited that we started this dialogue on the show. And as you guys listen and you have any feedback, connect with us, connect with Tamara and continue the conversation. We're here to help you align, you know, find that alignment that speaks to you. So how can people connect with you? Um, so I'm an open book. You can go to Tamara Arnold, which is my name, .ca. If you want to find me on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Tamara Arnold Author. You can message me anywhere in my email and through my website, any social media. It's me. I will respond. I'm excited. I just want to know you and what it is that is your excitement and what your passion is, what you believe your stardust is. You want to share with me 50 things that you love? Go ahead. Let's talk about it. Um, so any of those above channels work spectacularly. That's beautiful. And uh, one way I love to close out my show is to ask you how you define what a badass is. Um, Recently, I read a book and um, it made an impact on me. And it was called Relentless by Tim Grover. In the sense, to me, what is badass is somebody who you know, has the resiliency to continue no matter what life is throwing at them and what my awakening from that book was and doesn't need the accolade to do it, right? So, you know, I don't need to be shouted from the rooftop because when my clients are getting the most incredible results ever in the history of the land, then that is the driving force. That was my own personal aha recently. Beautiful. Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing a small piece of your world with our listeners. I can't wait to hear their feedback and how they connect with you after learning all the amazing work you're doing. And um, yeah, I, I just really thank you. Thank you. This was incredible. I'm so honored to be here. And this was a wonderful experience. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.